0: Hustlers, road players, tournament champions. Hear the stories, get their advice, learn about their lives. Our host, Joey Ryan, brings you an inside look at the professional pool player. You're listening to the Pool Player Podcast, brought to you by Pool Scene 365. Hey everybody, it's Joey Ryan from Pool Player Podcast, and I have a special guest here. I'm actually in his home. We're here with Tom Worth. Hey Tom, how's it going? Uh, it's great, Joey. Uh, it's a pleasure
1: to be here. This is going to be fun.
0: Yeah, you know it's it's funny because we were just hitting some balls over there. Yes, okay. you know, you, yeah, you yeah, know, and you and you and you made me humble. <laughs> Get out of here. Uh, I was learning some stuff, Good. and uh, it was really fun being here and kind of checking out your wall. In fact, we almost ran out of time. To shoot this interview because I got a flight out of town.
1: Oh my God! Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So uh, well, let's get on the the show on the road here. Yeah, I've been dying
0: yeah. to talk to you. I got so many questions for you. But how did you get started playing pool? Uh,
1: well, that's kind of interesting. A uh, a, a schoolmate of mine. And I, we went to a pool room, and neither one of us could make a ball. And, and we started hitting the, the local pool room. We you know, neither one of us had cars, so we were walking over to the pool room, and uh, we played a few racks, maybe you no, know, maybe a couple of hours worth. It, you know, we probably played two games of eight ball, you know, in about two hours. <laughs> you know, neither one of us could make a ball, so we went up to pay the table time, and the uh, the houseman there. He saw that we were new and uh, asked how we you know, did and whether we had fun and yeah you know, we enjoyed it a lot you know and he says well today it's on me you know and uh, boy you know I was hooked from that when it went on <laughs> uh, and uh, so I came back and it happened that a, a neighbor of mine was a semi pro and. Uh, He took me to the pool room and showed me how to stand at the table, how to hold the cue, things like that, you know, very basic things. And then he says, well, now you're on your own because – it's verboten to teach anybody oh, how to play pool then, you know huh? back then yeah i mean it, it was it was a, a big uh no-no to do that you know so i had to uh just uh the hard way which you know sometimes that's the best way school of hard knocks yeah pretty much yeah
0: <laughs> so when was the point where you realized you could be a pretty good pool player
1: uh, I had the inkling that I could be a good pool player right away. You know, uh I couldn't do much else, you know, uh, uh my as far as physical activities, you know, playing games and all, I really wasn't very good at it, you know, like you know just baseball, football and that kind of thing. Uh, but uh pool was something that was more cerebral and I liked that mm. because uh when I was uh, about 6 years old, my brother taught me how to play chess and just Taught me the moves, and I picked up a couple of books and started playing. And well, my brother is 15 years older than me, uh, and it wasn't long before I was beating my brother, and he wouldn't play me any longer. Really? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I, I kind of figured that, that I had uh, you know a, a kind of a uh, uh, an affinity towards uh, you know cerebral games, which pool certainly is.
0: And so, did your background in chess kind of help you gravitate towards a game like one pocket?
1: Uh, it was that, you know, it was it was more or less One Pocket was just a really very interesting game, and everybody in the pool rooms that I went to, that's that was the game everybody played. You know, it was very little nine ball. There was some of it, but almost everybody played One Pocket. And so I had to learn to play pool by learning how to play One Pocket.
0: So where was this? What part of the country?
1: Uh, it was um, uh, Silver Spring, Maryland, which is uh, just maybe about maybe 10 miles north of Washington DC.
0: Yeah. And so huge one pocket sort of environment there. Not not as much nine ball or eight ball.
1: Well, not much eight ball of course, but but uh nine ball was still popular uh but back then nine ball was played as a push out game. You know, it's like, you know, two fouls by any one player, so you could roll out, you know, the, those times have, have long since passed, but uh, uh, that was a much more cerebral type of game, too, you know, back, back then. So, yeah, I, I like to play nine ball, but, you know, uh, I was taught early on, you know, that, that if you really want to be a good pool player, you have to learn all the disciplines, you know, one pocket, nine ball, bank pool, straight pool, you name it, Karen play, you know, like you, you got to be able to play the other guy's game all the time, too.
0: Yeah. So I took a video of your wall back here, like ah. your wall of fame, <laughs> where right. the, the people that you beat, and it's incredibly impressive. Oh, kind of thank going you. Going through there and yeah. looking at some of those folks. Was there a moment when you were at the top of your one-pocket game that you thought, you know what, I could pretty much beat anybody? Like, anytime you stepped to the table, you kind of felt like you could beat anyone.
1: I don't know when that occurred, but yes, you know, uh, uh. I, I did take my game on the road once uh, in '96 and went across the country on my own and, and played. And I would just go into a pool room, go up to the house spin and said, "Give me your best player." Really? You know, I said, "Well, I'm only going to be there for one night, and I didn't like the idea of hustling weaker players. You know, I felt like you know, there's, there's something just unsavory about that. So uh, I didn't want to do that. So, but I wanted to challenge myself, and mm-hmm. so I would I would play. Anybody that came up in whatever game they wanted to play, I'd play it, and uh, I did very well. You know, as a matter of fact, I never lost when I was out there. Now, I didn't run into anybody that was like you know a, a Tony Chohan or somebody <laughs> like that. But, you know, I guess I was a little fortunate in that. But um, most of those people, I kind of knew who they were anyway. You know, so if I did run into somebody like that, you know, uh, uh, yeah, I, I'd i still want to play them but you know i you know when you're on negotiate, the road maybe yeah negotiate a little bit but when you're on the road you know, you you, you got to make the nut you know yeah. uh, so you know why challenge yourself to the best players but i, I still want to play them
0: let's talk about making the nut because we were talking over here and i said hey tom over the course of your career What would you say, like, are you up money from gambling matches or down money? And if so, how much, either direction? Tell me what you you said again.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, I might be exaggerating a little bit, but, you know, I'm probably over a 50-some year career playing the game, uh, mostly one pocket. I'm at least a half a million ahead. Yeah, you know, but I don't have anything to show for it. You know, I mean, you know, just easy come, easy go. You know, I had had a fun life.
0: Well, you get this nice house in Florida here. You get to yeah, kind of live out yeah. your retirement with a pool table. That's, <laughs> I'd say that's, that's something.
1: That's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's it's a comfortable little home.
0: So, what victory from your pool career would you say you're most proud of? Uh, probably the
1: finals of uh, Strawberry's International One Pocket Championship in '93, uh, where uh, I I beat uh, Grady, I beat Cliff Joiner, and I beat Jose Perica in the finals. Uh, along the way, I I beat a few other notable players, uh, but uh, that that win against uh, against Jose was uh, that was really something. You know, uh, a lot of pressure. That's that, that, that kind of tournament play was new to me uh but uh you know i you know i, I managed to eke it out at the end it was it really went down a hill hill uh and uh uh it went down to the last three or four balls and uh you know that last ball i remember was a sixth ball and it was basically straight in all i had to do it to lag the ball in you know and still my heart was pounding shaken <laughs> <Right>? yeah. <laughs> yeah it was a little new to me but uh, you know yeah, after that, you know, like you, know, you, you, you kind of settle down. You kind of, you kind of figure, you know what? I really can do this.
0: That's the thing about this game. I think at any level, you know, when you start to have success and maybe you're in a tense spot in a match, you know, whether you're a APA three or whether you're somebody like me who competed like, you know, top amateur or someone like yourself who played the greats of one pocket, you get to that moment in a match where you're, you're kind of shaken you're super nervous and you you just hang in there and you make it, you make the shot or you win the match or you win the game and you kind of realize at that point you know what this is exhilarating it's almost like a high like you get from a drug or something
1: no question about it it, it is the adrenaline that gets to you uh, and uh, you know and, and, the, and the the trick is learning to, to channel that adrenaline mm-hmm. you know but it's a bit, it's a very interesting thing that how that works you know you, you could be in the in the course of a match and fairly early in the match or even in the mid range of the match. Uh, and you could be a little nervous and, and, and a little unsure of yourself, but you come with a shot, yeah. You know, and when you come with a shot, everything relaxes after that. And now you now you're just playing. You know, now now you get in the zone, and then, you, know, you, you know the nerves are gone, and you just play your heart out.
0: Yeah, it's like that expression that you hear sportscasters say, where like the game slows down for a certain player. Well, you kind of feel that way. Like you're you're seeing things clearly, and you're in that zone. Like you're you in. The,
1: you get yeah. in the zone, you know, and and uh, and that's a really fun place to be. Yeah.
0: Who would you say I? I had some questions prepared, but I'd just rather have a conversation. Who would you say is the best one pocket player that you've ever witnessed play?
1: Well. That's an interesting thing, and, you know, and, and I'd, I'd have to say that there are, uh, there are a few that fall into that category you know, right now, you know, uh, but they have different skills, and they use their assets to their best ability, and they learn how to protect their weaknesses, and they all have weaknesses. Uh, well, uh, Alex Pagline, of course, uh, Tony Chohan, uh, Dennis Okoyeo, uh yeah you know, I, I would say you know and and I don't want to single anybody out because there are so many others that that play just absolutely excellent pool that uh in one pocket that uh you know they they I would be remiss not to use their names here but uh but those few as well as a, a maybe a few others. Uh, would fall into that category and any of those can beat anybody else Scott Frost would be in that, that zone but I think Scott might be a little bit past where he really wants to be you know, I think he's he's got other things on his he agenda loves to fish you know, yeah, kind of like yeah Shane you know, I Bonnie mean he loves to fish yeah <laughs> Shane of course would be in that but uh but some of these people are just so one dimensional about a pool you know that that you know that's an asset you know mm. as far as being able to play at that top level and then some people they have other outlets you know and that diminishes their their game To a certain level, yeah, and I think Scott would fall into that category. Wonderful player.
0: You named a few of today's top players, which I want to dig a little deeper. There, you talked about them maximizing their strengths and limiting their weaknesses. Mm -hmm. So, give me an example of that from one of the top players of today. Like, what would you consider maybe a strength and a weakness, and how they Kind of go
1: about that well uh when we speak of with those players and strengths and weaknesses we're talking relative terms you know their, their weaknesses are not really weaknesses not for like most anybody weakness. else you yeah. know, <laughs> and their strengths are well, just off the charts yeah. uh tony chohan for example I, you know i can mention him uh tony relies on his his inspiration quite a bit and sometimes that can be a two-edged sword uh sometimes that can that can hurt him you know because he has this 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 innate ability to come up with some very inventive things which is wonderful you know it's like it's, it's absolutely uh a a a viewers uh a uh a, a, a viewers just their uh, what's the word I'm looking for you know it, it's an asset you know it's, you know, it's what the, what they're looking for because it's so entertaining yeah. uh, and then you have people like uh, like uh, uh, Dennis Okoyo, who maybe not be you know he's not quite as entertaining uh, but his skills and just his his dedication to every single shot you know and getting the most out of his shot is just unparalleled, yeah. you know um, Yeah. Alex sometimes he's kind of in the in, in between the two of them. You know, uh, he he's he's got a little bit more uh, of a Tony Chohan in him than, than Dennis does, uh, but you know, again, you know, but he he has a lot of Dennis in him where he's very very meticulous about his approach.
0: But maybe not the ball pocketer that Dennis is. Maybe. Well, well, maybe, maybe so.
1: you know, but but yeah, yeah. maybe. But that's pretty close. I just
0: feel like every time Dennis gets down on a ball, it's going in.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I just, yeah, uh, yeah, I get you know, the same feeling. Like there was
0: that big match that he played against Scott Frost where I think they played for $100,000. And it seemed like, you know, and I watched a portion of it, not the whole thing. But it seemed like every time he went to bank a ball, he banked it in. You know, and it's like, it's unbelievable, you know, how accurate he was with that.
1: Terrific, you know, yeah, absolutely, you know, and, uh, and, and there, there is the assets, but uh, I think the, really the difference between the, the real champions and most everybody else is the intangibles. Mm. Uh, you know, there's so many people that have wonderful talent, they have a great work ethic, uh, They have a lot of dedication into improving their games on a daily basis, Uh, but there's something inside of the real champions that is special to them, Uh, and you can't put a finger on exactly what that is. You know, but uh, they cut down on the unfair service. They have an innate understanding about when it's important to to be able to not make any kind of error. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, uh, and and they just, you know, there's a timing issue there. You know, you can make mistakes, but you have to make your mistakes at the right time. Yeah. we kind
0: of talked a little bit about that in our match, mm -hmm. you know, while we were playing, which I thought was kind of cool. So we talk, uh, we've talked quite a bit so far about the best players of today. What about back when you were playing, kind of in your prime? Who were the top top dogs out there?
1: Oh well, uh, 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 Ronnie Allen certainly would be at the top of that list. You know, I mean, he, he, his ability to find ways of, of getting multiple balls towards his pocket. You know, his, he, you know, he was probably the most inventive of all the players back at that time. Uh, you know, uh, Let's see, uh, Jack Cooney would be in, in, in that list, you know, I mean, just a remarkably good player, just very, very smart player, just, you know, just, uh, he really knew how to play the game and knew how to play the opponent. Mm. Uh, he, he would be on that list. Uh if, they're, they're, uh, if you want to get outside of, of one pocket, you know, uh, you know, you might have Eddie Taylor, you know, Eddie Taylor, was the greatest banker. The, you know, I, I don't think you know there are many people that will argue with that fact. Um, but there are, there are there are numerous people that would play great pool. But you know, uh, if you were to compare yesterday's players to today's yeah, players, yeah, I wanted to ask you that. Yeah, uh, I, I I would I would say that. The equipment is far better than it ever had been before. The information is so much more mm-hmm. prevalent uh, mm-hmm. than it was before. But I think if those players came back in their prime and played today, they would be at the top of the list too. Oh, really? Absolutely. So you, so you Absolutely. think it
0: might be the equivalent of maybe tennis. When I was a kid growing up, they were using wooden rackets, right? Now they have these graphite rackets and yeah. they hit the ball so much harder. Do you feel like the equipment has kind of – Uh, change the game so much now for the players that these legends come back they would outperform them or be right up there
1: absolutely they would you know because because they you know they have those intangibles and they would adapt you know that's all it would be they would just simply adapt to the new technology Hmm. so you
0: know so out of your time out at tournaments and that time you spent out on the road, are there any interesting stories or kind of things that you ran into out there that you could share with us, one or two?
1: Uh, well, there was a fun story that I could tell you about, You know, uh, and uh, I'll preface by, by saying I don't like people that shark you. You know, uh, you know, I, I just you know, I have a real aversion to the people that get out there, and they just don't play the game. They don't show the respect of their their opponents. You know, I yeah. I always showed respect to my opponents, regardless. You know, uh, until they would not show respect to sure. me any longer. Uh, well, I was at the uh, the U.S. Open One Pocket champions in Portland, Maine, and uh, and they had referees you know around there, but. Uh, I had to play this guy and I don't really even remember his name. You know, he's a pretty good player. Uh races to three. It's two two. It's gonna be my break. Well he racks the balls up and then walks away from the table.
0: Like to the bathroom.
1: Yeah, but he doesn't say anything to me. Ah, I hate that. Yeah, yeah. And and it's all about sharking me and it's like yeah. so, uh, so I went over to the tournament director and I said I explained to him exactly what happened. I said this guy just walked away he racked the balls he took the triangle off all the, off the rack and he just walked away well you know it's my shot you know so what can i do can i can i break the balls he says yeah you can break the balls you know okay well you hang around and watch to make sure that that everything is above board well i made a ball on the break and around 8 and out while he's in the bathroom. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, I loved it, too. You know? oh, so man. he comes back from, from the bathroom and he goes, what's going on here? You know, and the tournament director just simply <laughs> looked at him and says, you lost. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it. Oh, you know, you hit on really a, a sensitive subject for me because it's something about when my opponent goes to take a break and I'm shooting. Mm-hmm. And, and it's the weirdest thing. I, I guess I have this thing in my conscience where I say, what if they come back and they think I cheated? I wouldn't cheat, right? And, right. and maybe that's because I hold that in very high esteem, right? To be honorable mm-hmm. at the pool table. And so when they wander away from the table, I, I get this thing in the back of my mind. Like, what if they come back and say, oh, you didn't get out there or something happened. Because, you know, they'll leave right. and they'll say, keep shooting, keep shooting, whatever. Right. I just can't keep shooting. I go and sit down and right. I wait for them to come back. I don't know. It's the weirdest yeah. thing.
1: Well, well, <laughs> the question that always comes to mind for me is that if you needed to go to the bathroom or you needed to go out and have a smoke or something, why didn't you do it on your shot? Why right. are you waiting until it's my shot? Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, exactly. Uh, and uh, and and so, you know, I, 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 I just – don't like it. You know, I don't like when people do that because I I feel it. Like, you know, they're putting the move on me or but trying to, to.
0: You had to see like worse sharking. Oh no! Your oh, whole sure. like oh, what's absolutely. what's the craziest thing you've ever seen somebody sharking somebody?
1: Uh, well, I'll I'll, I'll keep the name quiet. You know, uh. I, won't, I, won't say, I can't I can't <laughs> say he's pa- he's passed away and he's uh, okay. a very notable player. Yeah, we don't want But him. he got mad at me. Yeah, you know, and uh, so well there were two two occasions you know this this first one uh where where he got mad at me and he, he he felt that i had been sharking him where you know if i if i did it was certainly not intentional you know uh, you know it, it, it can happen right yeah. you know uh and i would i would expect anybody that got sharked by me you know unintentionally say wait a minute you know like you know you got to do this or something like that you know just you you know but uh uh so I'm shooting at a shot, you know, and this is in a tournament match, and he jumped up in, 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 in front of the shot and just started waving his hands around and that kind of thing, you know, to, you know and uh, just at the moment I was hitting the ball, and, really? and it did shock me. Uh, but, you know, it was, in his mind it was payback. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, payback is one thing, you know, uh, if, if, it's, if it's intentional on both sides you know, it's another thing if it, it wasn't intentional. I think he knew that wasn't intentional. Uh, yeah. The other occasion was where I was playing at the, uh, a nine ball tournament at the, uh, at the All-Star Open in, in, uh, in uh, Kentucky, and uh, I, pl- I was playing this guy and uh, I'm shooting at the nine ball and he happened to be sitting right in line with my shot and he jumped up and started swinging his arms around that kind of thing. And I knew that it was you know that it wasn't after I missed the shot, but I, mean, I knew it hadn't happened after I missed because there are numerous people that got up from the audience and went over to Joe Kerr, the tournament director, and explained what had happened. And Joe came over and he, he 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 lambasted the guy a little bit about that, you know, but it moved on. He, he he apologized. It was all right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> were there any players that influenced you? In your one pocket game or anybody that you kind of treated as a mentor or modeled your game after uh
1: two local players of course the you know the all the all the greats you know they we didn't have videos and that kind of thing then but because uh we had jack and jill q club uh that was right around the corner from me uh and the greatest players in the world came there on a regular basis where was that uh in in shirlington virginia okay which was just across the potomac river uh but uh that was weenie beanie's place okay uh and uh So he held numerous uh, uh, tournaments where, you know, there were round robin type of things. You had the the one pocket, the nine ball, uh, and straight pool events. There wasn't... Wasn't Bankpool back then? It was Strapple, and all the greats were there. You know, you got to see Irving Crane and Joe Balsus, oh, wow. and you know, and, and Luther Lassiter, yeah. and Luther gave me some great advice. He's, you know, when I when I asked him about what he's looking yeah. at when he breaks the balls and he's got an open rack, he says, "I'm mapping out the entire." run really you know i don't i don't think about just the one two and three i want to see the entire run Hmm. you know and then i go into the three ball sequence you know he didn't want any surprises later on yeah you know so i found that that was very interesting and i adopted that attitude too for one pocket you know because if i'm shooting a shot and i know i have to turn the table over to my opponent well, I want to be I want to consider what my opponent's going to yeah, do moves and ahead. then what I would do following his shot. You yeah. know, so I have to get in the mind of my opponent. Like more, chess. Back very much chess like backwards. chess. Yeah. The only difference between it is with chess, you know, you can go deep into it several several moves. With one pocket, you know, you can move a lot of balls and everything changes right, within right. a single you shot, right? So, so you go three shots and that's it. You know, that's all you need to do. Uh, but as far as uh, the the, uh, the the players that influence the most yeah, uh, the, the were the local players. Uh, one was Bill Morton. He was he, he was called Jackie Robinson. You may have heard the name. You know, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, we, we'd call him the mailman. Which, you know, he'd come in wearing his <laughs> mailman suit, you know, suit there. But
0: one pocket what, players have the best like nicknames, don't they? I think so. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. Oh.
1: So he he was just he was just a remarkable player. You know, uh, I think he's still playing. You know, but he'd be in his eighties now. But oh, wow. but he was. Uh, he was the guy, you know, in our area that really played some super, you know, just local players. Uh, but he could handle himself against anybody, really? you know, anybody that came into town. We had a lot of road players that came through, and a lot of them ended up leaving broke, hmm. you know, because uh, these guys, you know, all played well. Uh, but the, the guy that probably had the most influence on me was Walker Roach. You know, lovely guy, you know, just wonderful person, you know. Uh, and, uh, and Walker and I would, we'd tangles quite frequently. Well, Walker was like a bull, you know, he just kept coming at you, you know, like, you know, just there was no give up in, in him. And if you if you slacked off at all, you know, he'd come back storming back at you, you know, wow. it's like, you know. And so what he taught me the most was to develop a killer instinct. Yeah. And that, that's, you know, no matter how many games that you got your opponent down, every single shot counts for you, know, for, you know, and you'd have to put every effort into every shot you shoot, you yeah. know, and, uh, and uh, that's the name of the game. You know, that's what it's all about. I've had people where, where I beat him 16 games in a row or something like that. And I had one fellow that said he was going to hit me over the head with his pool cue if I won another game. <laughs> I said, well, what am I here for?
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I've met a few people like that. You know, not a ton. Of course, the top players have killer instinct. But there's just a certain few that you meet out there. And it's like, man, why don't you just know that you're beaten and give up, you know, because you're up on them and and they just keep fighting back. And you know every time you draw them in a tournament, they're just going to keep coming and keep coming. And you know it's a tough draw every single time, even if you play a little better than them. They Mm -hmm. just have so much heart. They have so much heart.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And no no give up in them. You know, uh, you're going to have to beat them. You're going to have to beat them solidly. You know, uh, and, uh, you know, and if you let up, and I I let up on this guy a couple of times, you know, and driving home home after he came back on me and got even you know I said what the hell am I doing here you know like <laughs> why you know why breathe air into this guy's lungs you yeah. know because it could turn around the other way he was capable of beating me too yeah. you know so would I want him to let up on me and the answer is no I don't want him to let it up on me I want to beat him at his best game yeah. you know and that's the way it should be I don't want to I don't want to have to you know, if I lose to somebody you know, uh, I don't. I don't want to have to go up to them and say, "Yeah, but you know, I really wasn't. You know, I wasn't playing my best game. You yeah. know, I, I, you know, I, I just didn't put that much effort into it." Or anything.
0: who wants to hear that? Yeah, a lot of people do that, though. Yeah, they do. You're right. great, and I don't you, think that's you know, very I, respectful to uh, do. That. Yeah, I've beat some really good players for you know for me where I'm like, man, I finally beat that person, and they go up to shake your hand, and you're thinking they're going to be like, hey, good job, kid, you got there, you know, and instead they're like, nah, you shouldn't never won that. You got lucky. You banked that ball, or you know, it's like right, right, oh jeez, yeah, yeah, you're
1: yeah, right, and it's like you're you're trying to burst my bubbles. You know? Exactly, like,
0: hey, screw yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. It's like you're, that was the <laughs> greatest moment of my career, and you're right. making me feel like that big. Yeah, right. Uh, you know, well,
1: well, you know, like, you know, give give the person credit. You know, I, will, I will always believe in that, you know, like you know, and and it's really it's good policy anyway. Yeah. You know, because uh you might play this guy again. You know, yeah. well, so if you're going to play him again, wouldn't you want to say, "God, you really played great today." You know, like, you know, you were you were really on your game. You know, I was playing great too, but you beat me. Next time, you're going to have to give me some weight.
0: (laughs) You know, it's funny. I started this podcast a little over a year ago. And my first guest was Mike Davis. You probably know Mike I know well. Mike well. And uh, I called him up. He's been probably my best friend in the pool world. And I said, hey, Mike, uh, I'm, I got this idea. I want to do this podcast. Are you available anytime soon? Like a few days later, we log in and we do this podcast. And we start talking about it. And one of the questions I asked him, I'm like, look, we've gambled a number of times, played each other. And I've lost you so many times. And you made me feel so good about it. Like, is that something you do intentionally? And he's like, basically, yeah, happy customers, you know? That's right. But that's the way he treats people. And he has people that will still gamble to him this day, 100, 200 set. They'll lose 400 a week, 600 every couple weeks or whatever. And he just treats people well, which is one of the reasons that I connected with him, I think, is, you know, he's just a nice guy. He's sincere. He's not cocky and he's not going to be that guy that's good oh you got lucky to beat me you know right he's just right. gonna you know be nice to people and i right. think it's benefited him like
1: absolutely you, you know you, you what, what what's that old line about about uh, you catch four flies with you know, with honey than you then, do yeah. with with vinegar or something yeah. like that it's, it's the same thing yeah. uh yeah you know, if, if you treat people well you know they'll treat you well back and and uh i remember a carney fellow was telling me you know how how to uh, keep uh, a regular customer happy and continue playing you. And he's, he says, you never let them, you know, you, you don't beat a local player, somebody that you're supposed to be playing frequently. You don't beat them out of what they think is a lot of money at any one time. You do that, and you're going to lose them, you know, one way or the other. They're, they're either going to want a handicap that kind of makes the game even and not yeah. worth well playing, or they're going to quit you altogether. Yeah. That's a right? great. You know, you know, that's so, a great point. You know, so, uh, what, what, so if they're
0: comfortable losing two hundred, you just beat them out of 200 two hundred every week. Two hundred, and but if they if get you, their nose open, you don't try open. to talk them into two thousand, and you know then you beat them, and they think it's a lot of money. And yeah, like, and yeah. then then, then you yeah. <laughs> so you beat
1: them out of two thousand, but you could have beaten them out of t- maybe twenty thousand over the course of yeah. a year or two. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's a good point. I never thought about that. What what would you say is the most crushing defeat you've had in your pool career?
1: I've never had one. No, no it's quite seriously. I've never had one. Really? I just move on. You know, it just you know, you, you know, uh, it comes with the territory. You know, it, you know, you you can't get in the arena and not take a loss somewhere. You know, so you just live with it. So that's you know. a
0: great attitude to like, for your mental health, right? To stay on track. But there had to be at least one defeat where you played somebody and you were that close to maybe being a champion or that close to winning an event. And you walked away and you were like, I was so close. Nothing?
1: I'm sure it happened, but I don't remember it. Really? You just wiped it away? Yeah, well, that's the way to do it. I mean, why, why, why linger with your defeats? Oh, I you got know, a few. I, guess,
0: uh, I got a few. I'm still carrying yeah. <laughs> from 30 years ago. <laughs> let it
1: let it go. All right, let it go. You know, just, go. you know, uh, you, know uh, you know. Here's a, here's a little life tip that I've received, and 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 I totally believe in it. Uh, something bad happens to you. Uh, don't dwell on it. You know, uh, if you can't do anything about it this time, then go off and do something nice for yourself. Go have, have a great dinner, go, go out shopping, get yourself a new suit or, you know, or, or, you know do something nice for yourself, I you, like know, that. Uh, you know, because you got to turn it around. Yeah. you know uh you know so there there's no sense in beating yourself up over it more you know you already took your loss what are you going to do Have the loss for the next two weeks you yeah. know the next year or two why, why linger on that let it go you know, i
0: think that's great advice and you know one of the things i want to help people with this podcast i want up-and-coming players you know those that are on the cusp of becoming great and want to get better I think that's one of the best pieces of advice that I've heard on the podcast. You know, oh. that could help people seriously because okay. you know I asked Oscar Dominguez for advice uh, for an up and coming player, and he gave me probably the most surprising answer up until now. Oscar said that bankroll management was probably the most important thing, and I was like, "Really? I've never heard that." You know, I've heard it in poker, but Oscar was talking about just how bad like one huge defeat could be mentally for a young player and how, you know, it set him back a couple years when he lost a big match to Keith Bennett in New York, you know, and so it got me thinking. And so this is another, I think, nugget of advice that would really help those players that are trying to get better. So thank you for that.
1: Well, you're welcome. But, you know, I I think it goes beyond pool, you know, I mean, my God, you know, like, uh, you know, so many bad things happen to people, you know, uh, but, uh, you you, you know, uh, we're resilient. You know, yeah. and that's the thing you know it's like you know stay resilient, you know let it you know, don't 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 dwell on it, mm-hmm. move on you know uh you know tomorrow's another day, right yeah. you know like you know just uh you you gotta keep your mental health up you yeah know? uh and it it it's it's easier to say than don't than do sure. you know, but uh but that should be the goal anyway,
0: yeah, so. I want to talk to you about the book. So you and I met years ago, mm-hmm. like 15 years ago. At least, yeah. Well, probably at Orange Ball or Champions or one of those tournaments in the Maryland area. Yes. And you were coming in and you were playing nine ball and you were a good player. And I remember one time I beat you in like a race of seven or something. And afterwards I was like, hey, that guy plays pretty good. And somebody was like, you don't know Tom Tom? And I was like, <laughs> no, who's Tom Tom. And then I started learning all about you. And then I lost track of you. I mm-hmm. moved around the country. You moved to Florida. Yeah. Um, but then I saw that you wrote a book. Wow. And I was really intrigued. And I said, I want to support this. I bought a book. We, I emailed you. We did that whole thing. You sent me a book. And I really enjoyed your book. So tell us, like, what was the inspiration? Where did you get the idea to write this book?
1: Uh, quite frankly, uh, I was here in this house. I have this table here. I'd been giving some blessings off and on, but I was bored, mm. you know. Uh, and so writing the book was kind of like a one-pocket journal for me. You know, it just you know, it t- took my ideas, you know. I, I, I would video the, the, the shots, you know, an idea, you know, the shot, you know, and, and I'd take ca- pictures of it, and, and, and I uh, would just kind of catalog it. Uh, and it, it grew from there. You know, it's like a, like a seed in the, in the earth, and I'd nu- nurture it, and uh, it kind of grew, and still I had no desires to publish it at that point. It was just more or less for my own uh, interest and keep me busy, you know, uh, mm-hmm. mentally, mm-hmm. and uh, at some point or other, it got, it grew. It grew, it grew into something, uh, and. Uh, Blossomed. It blossomed, <laughs> yeah, yes, and so uh, I, found I took it, it.
0: Sorry, I found it interesting when we were talking before about who your target audience was for the book. Ah, Do to share that with people?
1: Sure, sure. Well, uh, One Pocket is a game that's very, very complex, and a lot of people have this uh, misconception that One Pocket is kind of a bunting game, and uh, that couldn't be further from the truth, not, not at the higher levels anyway. Um, you know, bunting doesn't really get you anywhere. You're just pushing balls around a little bit. But you have to get the balls into position. If you think about the balls as as uh, soldiers in an army, you know, you got to position those so so that you when you get your open shot, you can do something with it and score big. Mm-hmm. And and really, that that's the whole idea. It's a game within the game, right? You know, get the first shot and then score big. Uh, so the game becomes. More or less like nine ball at that point. You know, just you know okay, you don't have a good shot. You, we're going to hook my opponent, you know, and 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 you know, hopefully we get ball in hand and we're going to run the rack out. And you know, well, one pocket kind of works the same way. So uh, I wanted to kind of instill that idea to uh, an audience that understands about how to run balls, and that was rotation players. You know, so rotation players, uh, you know, they. They're, they're good at doing that, you know, so I wanted to kind of open the door for rotation players to see the game in a different light. Uh, and uh, I, I feel like I've done that. You know, uh, there are a lot of rotation players now that are starting to pick up one pocket, and they're realizing that this is where uh, the money is. You know, is in one pocket. It's not nine ball longer, especially with the with the one shot. You know, the Texas Express rules. You know, uh, it's too volatile a game. Uh, but with one pocket, you can get back on the table again frequently, and that gives you better control over the outcome. Uh, and uh, and so I wanted to show that to people who have who have had a kind of a uh, reluctance to get into uh, the game of one pocket but that's changing there's a lot of young people you know uh, uh, you know Skyler Woodward you know picking up in one pocket you know and, and various you know, other players that are young uh, Carlos Beato, you know uh, Josh filler uh, you know these people are, you know, they have great skills, and they're starting to play one pocket, and they're starting to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're starting to learn that, that this is a game that, that, that has you know, a lot of potential for their, their style of play.
0: Someone like Josh Filler, it's kind of scary if he got good at one pocket, right? Absolutely. The way he can pocket balls. No question about it. imagine if he was able to move like a Paggy
1: well, you know uh, I, and I think that that's well within the possibilities of doing if, if he if he keeps pursuing the game because learning the game is, Far easier than learning how to shoot and how to move the cue ball. That takes a lot more time, but you know you can read books and and, and uh, you know study players and watch pot, uh, watch videos and that kind of thing. And you can you can learn the moves, uh, maybe maybe very rudimentarily at first, but you know eventually you're going to learn the subtleties as well. So I, I I have a lot of aspirations here for you know uh, that that uh, these young players are really going to turn into wonderful one-pocket players.
0: Yeah, so I'm going to give away a copy of your book. Uh, oh great! To, to some lucky listener. And, great. Uh, one, I believe in sharing like great information that you mm-hmm. have in your book. So I got an extra copy from you, and I'm going to give that away. Uh, so I guess what we'll do is comment in the um, comment in the comments. Uh, we can do this on, let's do this on YouTube in the comments. Go ahead and type in controlled aggression. So controlled aggression. If you type that in the comments, spelling doesn't count. You got to get it close though. Uh, then we'll go ahead and give away, uh, one of these books. And the book is called one pocket, a game of controlled aggression. Tell me about the title. Where did that come from? Uh, actually
1: it came from commentators in tennis. Uh, and I, I heard the phrase used numerous times about controlled aggression and it just it, it, it rang bells. For me for one pocket because it's exactly what one pocket is all about it's about about being aggressive but being uh, but, but maintaining some control over it so you're not doing anything that's too risky it's a game of risk and reward uh, so you have to weigh the risk against the rewards and that's where the control comes in the aggression comes in you always want to be aggressive if possible you know, uh, passive play just isn't going to get it you know, in the long run if it's continuous passive play. Yeah. So so the better players, you know, uh, uh, as you probably noticed in, in watching a lot of the videos and you know, in live matches, you know, these players are very aggressive. Mm-hmm. And that's the name of the game. Be aggressive if you can, but be under control at the same time.
0: So when we were playing here, there was a particular shot that came up where it was just a simple safe where you pushed a ball to your side and you put me behind some balls up table. And the balls were just positioned in a really – I was in a really bad spot. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I said to you, I said, you know, that's the thing when I played Scott Frost, power one pocket, we, play, we gambled a little bit, that I was surprised about is that sometimes he would hit a shot that didn't seem very aggressive, but it just gave him the winning advantage in the game and you looked at me and you said that was a power one pocket shot that you just hit Mm -hmm. you know which was just a simple safety off a ball and kind of laid the cue ball up in the top corner and i had like five balls to negotiate right know. so i mean so i guess what you're saying is power one pocket or aggressive one pocket doesn't always look like tony chohan banking a ball into the stack you know moving five balls to a side
1: yeah, it, it's uh, it's uh, aggressiveness doesn't necessarily mean pocketing a ball. Aggressiveness can also mean uh, it can be a, a an aggressive safety. Where where you you hook the ball against uh, uh, other balls and tie your opponent up, where all you did was you took a ball away from his his uh, his scoring zone, uh, you know. So that can be aggressive. You can take that ball out and leave the cue ball out in the middle someplace. Well, there's nothing so aggressive about that. But if you can hook the ball behind another ball, and now your opponent has to play some kind of safety that it's going to be very difficult for him to be able to control. Well, that's aggressive that's a that's an aggressive safety um the shot that i played on you uh was aggressive in that nature but it was also aggressive in that i positioned these balls in such a way that that you were going to have a really difficult time getting out of that trap so traps are also aggressive
0: yeah yeah i actually hit a shot on you later and <laughs> you were like wow i'm in a bad spot here yes and the funny part was you were in a bad spot and i'm not as experienced by a long shot and i looked at it and i didn't see how bad of a spot you were in mm-hmm. until you described it you oh. know? and i think that's the thing for a lot of people who dabble with one pocket play it a little bit like myself mm-hmm. you know it's tough to recognize those times when you're really i i think if you're in a spot and you know you're in a spot that's a lot better than being in a spot and not even knowing you're in a spot. Well, you know, and ab-
1: absolutely. That knowledge. Please
0: yeah. t- t- talk to us a little bit about just how long it takes to really gather the knowledge to become a good one-pocket player.
1: Uh, a good one-pocket player. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really doesn't take that long except for the end game. Uh, it, the, the early stages of the game are very volatile. You know, uh, people that have great pocketing skills are dangerous players, regardless of whether they know the game or, of one pocket or not. Uh, those players are going to find a shot somehow or another. They're going to they're have some kind of a bank, uh, a twist bank or something. They're going to take some kind of flyer, and uh, the better the shot maker are, you know, the, 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 the more likely they are going to make this, this wild shot that they might be shooting at. Uh, once that happens, boy, they're off to the race and they're going to be scoring a lot of balls. Uh, so uh, all players that have shooting skills are dangerous players in the early game. But in the latter portion of, of the game, that's where the removing, you know, that's where the subtleties come out. Uh, and that's why uh, players have, who have a lot of knowledge about the game, you know, deep knowledge about the game, excel uh, so, you know, a player could be a you know, the really knowledgeable player. Could be down, who also has shooting skills. It uh, could be down on the score of six to two, uh, but it, he, he doesn't feel he's out of it. Yeah. You know, uh, you know because uh, he can maneuver so well. You know, and he'll trap. You know, so he knows how to uh, give up a difficult shot uh, that will yield a much easier shot in return you know uh, so you, know, you they're, they're little kind of like worm on the hook type of shots
0: yeah yeah you i think you got you hit me with a couple of those <laughs> yeah but I
1: I, I I miss a lot of those banks though you know.
0: <laughs> so with one pocket being so much different than the other disciplines what would you say is the most important attribute for a player who wants to excel at one pocket like you know what kind of things should they work on
1: the attributes uh, you know, uh, and what, what you want to learn uh, er, early on. Well, you want to learn basic strategies you know, uh, uh, and, and theory behind the game. What are you really trying to accomplish in any one given spot? Okay. Uh, so you start out with, you know, like, first understand what you want to do with a break. Uh, and then from there, uh, the mo- one of the most important shots is the shot after the break. What are you trying to do there? Uh, typically, you're trying to get a you know like if you have a shot to pocket a ball, obviously you're going to be shooting that. Uh, and uh, uh, but most of the time, you're going to be playing some kind of safety. Well, uh, you need to get a ball on your side rail and have it hidden. You know, uh, so if you can if you can manage to do that without giving up a shot to your opponent you've kind of taken away a portion of the table from your opponent you know and that's kind of like how the game kind of progresses there uh but uh to to really be successful you start out with with learning the patterns for running balls you know just you you develop you develop that skill and then you build from that because you can learn all the moves you can you you can learn all the traps you know that 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 but if you can't run the balls you're, you're, you're not going to score enough.
0: Really? So, like, I'm really surprised by that answer because, you know, I've, I've been a pretty decent ball runner for a long time, and sometimes in one pocket I just don't have a clue. And so I'm, I'm kind of surprised by that answer because, um, you know, I kind of feel like uh, there's things that I could have learned earlier in my pool journey that would have made me a better one-pocket player uh, that might have been more important than running the balls but you say no
1: well I, 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 you, know, you,
0: you start I've there. lost the people who don't run the balls like me <laughs> quite a lot yeah you yeah know, there were guys that could give the seven ball to playing rotation that I had no chance in one pocket
1: I understand uh but you no know, but like I said you know this is this is the basic this is part of me where you begin okay. you know, is the ability to to run a lot of balls you know but there's there are two there's two sides to the game. You know, there is get the first shot, and then once you have the first shot, you have to be able to do something with it. You know, if you can only run two or three balls, uh, and then you have to turn the table over your opponent by playing another safety or get, you know, developing another move, you might have to have two or three moves before you can win the game. Well, if you're playing a really good shot maker, he might only need one move. Might, might not even need a single move. Maybe he just you know, like comes up with a shot and boom, he, he's running the balls out on you. Yeah. you know, so the people that can run a lot of balls uh, from a lot of different locations here are very dangerous players, regardless of their skills, of, of, of moving skills. Uh, but certainly the players that are most dangerous are the players that have both those skills. You know, The people that, that understand risk-reward uh, they understand how to manipulate the balls uh, to, to uh, their advantage uh, and know how to be patient and wait for their their good opportunities without squandering them. sometimes you can shoot at a shot that is perfectly safe but if you miss it you give up your position you know now, now your opponent can now get get out of, of whatever, position that he was in where you could have possibly played a different shot and maintained the position of the balls that you had working for you Mm -hmm. you know that that so in in some ways it's not always
0: best to take the makeable shot because you might relinquish some position
1: yeah supposing you have a ball that's hanging in your pocket yeah uh but you can only get one ball out of it you know like what's the point of shooting that shot
0: you see a lot of people uh good one pocket players play combinations into that ball. Right. So they have that second ball there. Right. That's something when I first started playing, I'd have a hanger in the corner, I'd shoot it and try to go up and down the table and get behind another ball. And then I'm um, the guy I'm playing against, you know, he's cutting another ball into that ball. So he automatically makes the hanger in the pocket and he leaves the other ball right there as another hanger. Right. And I was right. like, that's so obvious. Why didn't I think of that? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well well i i remember in the early days uh there was a fellow john backstrom wonderful guy you know uh you know he, great sense of humor and good one pocket player not great but he was a good shortstop uh and he's playing this one fellow up sitting there watching him play and uh, he he comes up with a shot where he could pick up two or three balls you know, to his pocket very easily but he wouldn't shoot it uh he would take a ball that was on his opponent's side, maybe three rail it and you know back over to his side, hook the cue ball into the stack, and you know, where the guy couldn't really do much of anything to, to uh uh save the situation for himself. And still he'd come up with that another shot where he could pick up now three or four balls, but Still wouldn't shoot you know? <laughs> That's and he'd, frustrating he'd take, he'd take another ball Away from his opponent's side uh. you know, And just hook the cue ball again Until he had enough ball Where he could just run out yeah. you know? yes. and, and, and I'll tell you uh, Psychologically That will devastate a player yeah, you know, break it's like me. A, that would break me down oh yeah (laughs) you know but but, but that's part of the game too it's like you get in the head of your opponent you just kind of like just turn it to mush yeah you know so there's a lot of ways that's one of the beautiful things about one pocket is you can do so many things to your opponent if if you if if you just get out of the box and you know get your thinking going in a different direction
0: so we talked about what attributes are important to a one pocket player uh what about the person right now who's listening to this who's only played eight ball or nine ball but is intrigued maybe they bought your book or they, they win your book in in mm. this thing right and they want to learn more maybe they've watched scott and chip match recently or some of the matches that you commentate on pool action tv i want to talk to you about that in a second um but they're like i want to try this out what advice do you have for that person who's never played a game in one pocket
1: start playing it Just start playing it. You know, start playing it. Find somebody that that is uh, in your skill level. Find somebody, a few people that are a little beyond your skill level. What I did, you know, because I had so many people that played uh, really good one pocket and then some people that played mediocre one pocket, is, uh, you know, when I was trying to learn, I'd sit on the sidelines and I'd, I'd, I'd try to sit next to somebody that had a fair amount of knowledge about the game and I would pick their brain. Um, and uh, that was difficult for me to do at the time because, again, people didn't want to share too much knowledge with anybody else. You know? But I would trick people into giving me their knowledge because what I would do is say, oh, well, I think you should do such and such over here. <laughs> and then they want to put me in my place by saying, don't be such an idiot. You know, <laughs> like, you know, he's not going to do that. He's going to do this over here. And they wanted to kind of show off. And that way, you get some knowledge there. Yeah, but the no. whole
0: time you weren't going to do that original shot. Well, you just wanted the egomance. Sometimes it probably would
1: have, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but but but, the, but you know it 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 worked. You know uh, that uh, I was able to draw you know, information from people on the sideline, and that's always helpful too. But if you if you watch. Uh, people And it could be a nine ball, too. It could be any of the, the games you, you watch and you can learn from everyone, you know, whether they're good players or poor players. You, you know, the good players, you learn the things to do, and the bad players, you learn the things not to do. Right. Right? Uh, and that's just as important.
0: Yeah. So I'm curious. Uh, this is something that uh, Melina, Mike, and I have been doing. Uh, we do a one-pocket power ranking video. And we do it. We want to start updating it quarterly, and we're about to do one. We're actually going to have Jeremy Jones on, and we're going to go through the top one-pocket players, and we we'll do about fifteen of them. Like we call it the power rankings. If you had to give your top five one-pocket players right now, and I know you're you're in the know because you you commentate some of these matches, you know these guys. Who would you say are your top five one through five?
1: Do I, do I do I have to? categorizing like the best player versus you yes. know, like, <laughs> <laughs> you're on the really, hot seat i am on the hot seat uh it's, geez because because you know I it's mean, it's all in good fun you know nobody's yeah. gonna no, send it, you a nasty okay so if if you, if they were playing a race to 40 uh yeah, you know that you know it, i mean if they're playing a race to five or something like that yeah let's you know, say a race could, to 40 Yeah, you know, okay a race to 40 uh I still have to put Alex up there. You know, at, at the top of the list. You know, I, I think that he just simply—he's uh, he, got all the skills. You know, that are, are necessary. And but he also is—he—he—he uh, he st- he stays within himself pretty well. And uh, number two. Who you n- num- number two, I'd, I'd have to put Dennis up there. At number two. You know, I—I—I I, I, I mean. Uh, that could be challenged by a number of people of course but but you know that would be my pick as number two uh number three would have to be uh tony chohan when he's won, you know uh you know, when he's won. He's going to be hard to beat regardless of who, who he's playing. Uh, but some of that has to do with the tightness of pockets, too. I mean, he, if, he, if he's playing on uh, four-inch pockets versus four-and-a-quarter, four-and-a-half-inch pockets, everything changes with, with, with Tony's game uh, because it's so volatile. You know, it's a, you know, there, there's, there's so much more risk to his game because
0: you know, of, of his inventiveness. So you think having the larger pockets there allows some of those balls on those riskier shots to kind of creep in?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. you know
0: because uh, he's a, he's a pretty precise ball pocketer too, which surprises a lot of people like he'll do well in rotation tournaments.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no question about it. I think but he's we're underrated. talking about yeah I you know, think we're talking little, we're talking about the cream of the crop here like and those those little. Bits there, you know, just, you know, that just fractions, fractions of, like, of assembly, fractions, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, make make can make the difference there number uh, four. Uh, number four. Uh, number four, uh, you know, that that might be a uh, split between uh, Shane Bain Boning and uh, and maybe uh, uh, who. Bustamante,
0: Bustamante,
1: Bustamante has really improved his one-pocket game in the last year and a half or so. He's playing some great one-pocket now, so I'd I'd have to put him in that in that category. Uh, and I apologize if I'm if I'm leaving somebody out that should be in that list, but, but
0: uh, you know. So you would have Bustamante and then Shane at five. Uh, Shane's a tough one to gauge because he doesn't really like the game. Right. But then he'll go in and dedicate himself for, like, you know, a few weeks. And all of a sudden, he's winning tournaments or right up there at the top. Yeah. Like, he beat Scott. I want to say he beat Scott. Was it the Texas Open recently where Scott Frost, uh, it was an epic match. I believe yes, and Shane hit one of those shots where the two balls are frozen on the spot, right. and he right. got it towards his corner. Right. I don't know if you saw that. I did
1: see that. You yeah. know, I absolutely saw that. It was a it was a great hit because you know the cue ball was up near the top rail there when he when he played that shot. He played it absolutely remarkably well. Uh, I think that uh, I think that Scott played the wrong shot. You know, he uh, went with what with, with what he did. You know, previous to that, uh, but. Uh, you know, I, I can't I can't fault him too much because it really wasn't that bad of a shot that that he chose there. Uh, but I I felt that that he was right in it. You know, he ran a lot of balls in that in that particular game, and he and he really got himself in, into the game there. Uh, and uh, he he did give Shane a uh, an opportunity there that, yeah. that he was able to capitalize. He didn't have to do that, but uh, yeah, I mean that's all hindsight. Yeah.
0: And then just recently, Chip, Chip uh, Compton just beat Scott, mm-hmm. edged him out at Hill Hill, 40-39 uh, to 39 in Tempe, Arizona. They just played uh, quite a match there.
1: Well, he would be another one that I would put into that list uh, with uh, Josh Filler and uh, Carlo Piato, you know, of, of uh, these these players that are really coming up and showing some some lot of skills, and, and you know, they, they could certainly they have room for improvement in their game, but not a lot. You know, it's like I mean, they're they're already right up there. Yeah. You know, so uh, you know, so I I feel that they all those players are capable in any tournament of, of beating any of the others and and, and taking down the tournament.
0: So I tuned in, I believe it was the Tony Chohan versus Scott Frost match in Florida. And I tuned in, and I caught you commentating that match. Ah. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I think Jeremy might have been commentating remote, and I think you might have been there in person. Yes, it was. Yeah. So – are do you enjoy commentating one pocket matches is that something I that you, love it do I you?
1: love it but you know I, I eat it up because you know I'm a teacher at heart you know uh that you know I, I when I was in school you know I was I was uh, I was in college to uh, become a teacher you know yeah. because I just I, I love the idea of sharing knowledge you know and so uh no you know I didn't I didn't graduate as a as a teacher but uh you know I I kind of devoted the pool game now you know I, i've kind of made a metamorphosis of myself and now i i consider myself a teacher as opposed to a player uh and i just have a big kick out of it and if i see a uh, a student improve and he comes back to me and says you know that that situation that you showed me came up in a match and i was able to pull that shot off and it won me the match i'll tell you what there's nothing better than that yeah yeah, you know, that 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 to me is 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 worth winning. You know that that uh, strawberry tournament all over again. Do you
0: have any ideas for taking one pocket and making it more mainstream? Jeez. Are there, are there any ideas? Uh,
1: yeah, but I I don't hold a lot of hope for it to happen. But uh, I'd like to see uh, one pocket develop kind of like the U.S. PA, you know, tennis association, you know, developed. You know, where tennis in the early days with Pancho Gonzalez and, and Bobby Riggs and them, they were hustlers. You know, they were like they were like pool players of today. You know, like you know, uh, or, or rather, uh, uh, thirty or forty years ago, they were they're hustling, uh, and uh, and then it developed. You know, and it, it developed into regional events, and then they, and then na- uh, uh, state events, and then national events, and uh, but they have to have uh, an outside organization that oversees it. You know, to do it inside the, of, of the pool world is not going to work. Yeah. Uh, but can it get on TV? You know, can can there be a uh, uh, a Cable network that's devoted to pool in the United States, you know, that remains to be seen, you know, but, uh, uh, that's what would have to happen, but you'd have to have a lot of advertisers, you know, car manufacturers, you know, pharmaceutical companies, you know, whatever, you know, uh, uh get involved with it, uh there's a big market for pool pool is huge in this country here with with apa and the csi uh yeah, all, all these organizations and then with po- your podcast that's great you're doing you're doing wonderful things for for, for pool uh you know uh and and uh, the pool public and so is uh uh pool action tv and pov pool and and various others that are out there you know do, doing broadcasting this is this is all helping but it needs to get on tv so i don't think the advertisers really uh, they're they're a little reluctant to i think get pool involved with it because they don't the pool players just don't look the part of professionals hmm. you know because of, uh, partly you know and and i'm old school and probably, you know, like just, you know, my old fogey attitude about it is I want to see professionals look professional. You know, I think they have to have a dress code. They have to look the part of a professional instead of driving, going around in, in jeans or T-shirts and that kind of thing. I want to see it like the old days when I went to uh, uh, the tournaments and, and you would see guys like Luther Lasseter and uh, Irving Crane and Joe Balsas. They're all dressed in suits. Yeah, and, uh, and that was impressive to me to see those people like that because, you know, I knew that these were the professionals, Yeah. so yeah, that's, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, so, uh, uh Weenie Beanie tried to promote that too, you know, but he went overboard and he wanted to get everybody in, in tuxedos. tuxedos. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, as long uh, as they
0: don't make podcasters wear tuxedos, I'm good with it. There them. you go. <laughs> Tom, I want to thank you for your time. Uh, just so the folks out there know, uh, I'm part of a company called 1PKT.com right now. Uh, We have clothing, merchandise, other things that you can buy. And I talked to Tom and I said, hey, uh, I'd love to try to help you move some of your books because I believe in them. And uh, we kind of struck up a deal. So you can actually purchase them online at 1PKT.com. So go there, check it out, buy some of Tom's books. Uh, we've, We've got a bunch of them. We'd love to keep ordering from you. And get a bunch more. So uh, check it out. And uh, Tom, any final thoughts you have for the folks out there? Anything at all? Uh
1: just have fun. Have fun at the game. You know, like you know, just you know, if whether you're a gambler at the game or whether you just want to play, you know, socially or something like that. You know, uh, try to learn something new every day. You know ab- about the game. The game is fascinating, but you know it, it's it's a journey. It's not a destination. You know, uh, I after fifty some years, I'm still learning more things, and uh, that's where that's where the fun is for me. Is uh, is is understanding that that it's the pool pool table is basically for for me the way I look at it. It's a microcosm of the universe. You know, that's that's my laboratory out there. You know, uh, and. I just go deeper and deeper into it and find new things that I want to learn about the game. You know, if something odd happens, you know, I want to figure out how it happened and why it happened. And and if you can get into that frame of mind, uh, you're gonna have a great time at it, you know. So, it, it's really about the fun. That's what I teach all the time when I'm when I'm teaching pool. Is uh, you know I want to want to stress that that uh, it's a very frustrating game, you know, because it's so demanding. But you know, uh, you're there because you enjoy it, you know. And if you get angry with yourself and start berating yourself, you're not having fun then. Yeah. know. <laughs> So have fun at it, you yeah. know, yeah. and get my book. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Tom. Yeah. Appreciate it. You're quite welcome, Joey. Okay. It's been a pleasure. Thanks.